Welcome to the audiobook podcast of Turing Test, book one of the AI Diaries trilogy. This is E.M. Foner, and you can contact me through Facebook or through my author website, ifitbreaks.com. Chapter 10 Thanks to the lack of mid-morning traffic, I made it back to the apartment building in ten minutes flat and silently climbed the stairs. Ebeth texted me a steady stream of updates, so I wasn't surprised to find the would-be intruder still kneeling in front of my door when I reached the landing. At this point, she appeared to have given up in frustration and was struggling to extract a stuck lockpick. "'May I ask what you're doing?' I inquired politely. The woman froze and then slowly rose while turning, placing one hand in her purse. I hoped she wasn't about to pepper spray me because Spot would probably refuse to be in the same room with my encounter suit for a week. I locked myself out of my apartment, she lied smoothly. I'm afraid this is my apartment, I said. Isn't this the fifth floor? I know everybody who lives in this building and you aren't one of us. I must have turned down the wrong block, she said, edging towards the stairs. You know how this planned housing all looks the same. Who are you, I asked again, keeping my voice pleasant as I barred her way with one arm. It's all right, Ebeth, I called loudly. You can open up now. I heard the girl rattle the knob for a moment, and then the pick fell out and the door pulled open. Why don't you join us inside, I suggested to the woman, though this time I used the same tone of voice I took with people who abused their computers. You bet I will, she said, suddenly turning aggressive and literally pushing past me into the apartment. What has he done to you, she asked Ebeth in a much softer voice. I'm a reporter, and I can help you. Do you mean gross, Ebeth said turning the same shade of pink as her latest hair color. "'Where's Spot?' I asked, closing the door behind me as I entered. I locked him in the bedroom so he wouldn't bark and scare her away. I thought she was just a burglar and you might want to meet one. "'It would take more than a barking dog to scare me away from this story,' the reporter said, straightening up and staring me like I was the one who had been caught trying to break into her home. "'I'm sure you know why I'm here, Mr. I.' and your choice of a fake name just shows that some part of you is begging to be caught. You have caught me, I said, folding my arms across my chest. I'm running a sole proprietorship under a made-up name without having filed a doing business as certificate at Town Hall. It's a waste of fifty bucks, and then they give you grief about business use of a home in subsidized housing. What? She looked genuinely puzzled. I was talking about the fact that I is a common first name for females in Japan. I just assumed you picked it up from looking at dirty pictures on the internet. Mark doesn't look at, Ebeth began, then clammed up when she remembered that I was passing as human. I just came from a duck brunch with most of the police force, I informed the reporter, introducing a carefully calibrated amount of anger into my own tone. Tell me why I shouldn't call them right now to come pick you up. You do that, she said. The police were my next stop in exposing your little white slavery ring, and don't try it, she shouted, pulling out a taser and pointing it at me as I reached in my pocket for the vibrating phone. I've been investigating your so-called training restaurant since October, and I've documented 14 young women who have gone missing. You missed a dozen, and that's not even counting the men, I told her, and then took advantage of her momentary shock to finish pulling out my phone without getting zapped. I held up the index finger on my left hand, requesting a timeout. If it breaks service, Mark speaking. Hi, Mark. You've won two free nights in the Edgewater. I hung up in disgust on the invitation to attend a special showing for a timeshare condominium. I'd rather be tased. So you admit it, the reporter said. She whipped out her own phone, and now I was facing both a taser and a cracked iPhone screen. This whole conversation is being live-streamed on Facebook. No, it's not, Ebeth observed. 
Did you actually try navigating those menus without looking? The reporter twisted her wrist and let her eyes flicker to the phone for a split second and then back again to confirm the bad news. Her posture wilted a little. I've got a backup mini-cassette running in my purse, she said. You're very well prepared, I complimented her, hoping to de-escalate the situation. What's your name? Emily. Emily Fox. From the townie. I read your paper. I'm sure you spend a lot of time searching the personal ads for new victims. Double EU, Ebeth said. Stop it with the icky stuff, lady. He's not like that. Nobody has been kidnapping anybody, at least not in my restaurant, I assured the reporter. My employees and graduates are an adventurous bunch, and they make the most of their opportunities to travel. The bedroom door banged open as Spot finally got the knob to turn, and he flew over the couch in a single bound, skidding to a halt on the fake hardwood flooring when he spotted the taser. Unfortunately, our uninvited guest was so freaked out that she reflexively pointed at him and pulled the trigger. I saw it coming and moved quickly to grab the electrodes out of the air, draining the charge into my backup cell. I didn't mean that, Emily said, looking somewhat abashed by the turn of events. I would never intentionally shoot a dog. No harm, no foul, I told her, reaching out my other hand for the now useless taser. I'll take care of that. You make up with Spot. The dog wasn't growling, though his feelings towards the reporter must have shifted from welcoming to neutral when she attempted to electrocute him. But Spot was a good-natured creature, and Emily must have smelled nice. He approached carefully, keeping one eye on her phone for suspicious movements, and then headbutted her hip for attention. The reporter reached down and began rubbing his back, obviously a dog person. Listen, I said, I'm afraid we got off on the wrong foot here, but if Spot is willing to forgive you for trying to shoot him, I guess we can do the same. But no more weird accusations, Ebeth put in. Maybe I've misread the situation. But you have to admit that it looks pretty suspicious, the reporter said, her eyes traveling to Ebeth again. I realized that the girl was still in her pajamas and sighed. Ebeth, go home and put some real clothes on. I'm your secretary. I should be here taking notes or something. We'll wait for you to get back, I told her. I shrugged at the reporter after the girl slipped out of the apartment. Kids, she visited a friend at college last week and saw that all the cool girls are wearing pajama bottoms to class. How old is she, asked Emily, who didn't realize that Spot had been using body pressure to herd her towards the couch until she found herself sitting down. Then the dog jumped up and rolled onto his back, flopping his head into her lap. Sixteen, or twenty-one, depending on whether you check her ID. I try to get her to go to school, but she's not having any of it. My father is a locksmith, the reporter suddenly volunteered. I worked for him summers while I was in school, and I'm actually very good at picking locks. You need a chip key to get in, I told her. The mechanical lock is only half of the mechanism. I knew it had to be something like that. So you're really not a pervert? No. Can I ask what made you think I was? A tip from one of our advertisers. Let me guess, I said. A bar with palm trees on the sign? The door burst open and Ebeth was back. It was the first time I had seen her wearing a dress, probably because she didn't want to waste time struggling into skinny jeans. What I missed, she asked. One of our competitors tipped off the paper about the portal's high turnover, I said, and then addressed the reporter. But what made you think it was a problem? Our website stresses the travel opportunities for resort staff, and we have a 100% job placement rate for graduates. I know, and some of them have public Facebook pages, Emily said, the suspicion back in her voice. Spot twisted his head up and gave her a disappointed look, and she began rubbing his belly again. 
What's wrong with that? Ebeth asked. I've always wanted to travel to Australia myself, but this is a freelance job and I can barely pay the rent, the reporter said. The big newspapers have been laying off for years, and when I got out of school, all I could get was an unpaid internship. I had to wait tables to pay the bills for two years, and I really do live in a building one block over. What does that have to do with their Facebook pages, I asked. I've practically memorized all the travel guides for Australia, and I know something about photojournalism. I even take the pictures for my own stories, she added. I saw right off that most of the photographs posted by your former students who didn't restrict access to their Facebook pages were professionally taken, so I ran them through Google Photo Search and they're from an image library. I glanced at Ebeth, who looked embarrassed, but the photo library had been my idea. Maybe they all share a subscription, I suggested. I thought of that too, but I did some more research. None of your ex-students actually name the resorts they're supposedly working at, and there was never enough information to know where to look for them. I would have gone to the police weeks ago, but I was able to trace down a few of the missing women's local friends, and some of them have even received handwritten postcards recently. Look, I've had to deal with some nasty people as a reporter, and I don't get that vibe from you. But if you aren't running some kind of illegal operation, I don't get it. Do you want something to drink? Ebeth asked her. I could make tea, or we have water. Water would be fine, Emily replied, and then turned back to me. I'm aware that I can't force you to answer my questions, and you could even press charges for my trying to break into your apartment. But even if my proof isn't as solid as I thought, I still have a responsibility to get to the bottom of this. Fair enough, I said. I read your series about the fraudulent property tax valuations, so I know that you're a capable investigative journalist. I glanced towards the kitchen where Ebeth was taking longer than needed to fetch a glass of water. Spot suddenly glanced in the same direction with a puzzled expression, so I cranked up my hearing and caught the unmistakable sound of a cap being unscrewed from a glass bottle. I hoped she would get the dosage right. How about we trade questions? One for one, I suggested. I can't reveal confidential sources, she warned me. Nothing like that. It's just that I've always been curious about the newspaper profession. I once had the opportunity to read some old European newspapers on microfiche, and I remember being struck by all the steamship passage advertisements for emigrants. My great-grandparents all came from over there, Emily said, gesturing vaguely to the east. Was that your question? It wasn't, but I nodded for her to go ahead as Ebeth brought in a small tray with a glass of water for the reporter and an orange juice for herself. She carried the tray at shoulder height like a pro, and I couldn't help but feel proud. Did all of your students and staff really move to Australia for resort jobs, Emily asked? Yes to resort jobs, no to Australia. I watched her take a drink before continuing. They were all placed in high-paying contract jobs that require long-term commitments due to the expense of travel and some other issues. Where? she asked. That's a different question, and it's my turn now, I said. What would you say to an opportunity to report about as-of-yet undiscovered cultures in faraway places? Are you offering me a job? she asked. You just wasted a question, Ebeth interjected. Yes, I replied. The same place you sent all of the missing women? And men. You might look them up if you happen to be in the vicinity, but I'm talking about different work, unless you'd rather go back to waiting tables. Emily suddenly stiffened, causing Spot to flip over and look for trouble. The reporter cast an incredulous look at Ebeth. Did you just drug me? Maybe, Ebeth said. Anyway, it's part of the application process. It's harmless. You planned all of this, she accused me, spinning back in my direction. No, but the job offer is serious. 
I hesitated for a moment and then said, You see, I'm an artificial intelligence construct from another world. Ebeth groaned, Spot shook his head at me, and the reporter relaxed back into the couch and began laughing. I'm serious, I protested. I just caught the electrodes from your taser. Could a human move that fast and not get shocked? I'm not laughing because I don't believe you, Emily choked out. I'm laughing because it makes sense. Ever since that alien ship suddenly announced itself, I've been wondering if there was an advanced party already on Earth. Does the universe have a shortage of unskilled labor? Are you recruiting sewer workers as well? The galaxy is full of pipes that nobody in their right mind would crawl into without a superior package of pay and benefits, I responded testily. It's only here on Earth that you have it upside down, paying the highest wages to the people in the most desirable jobs. You're an alien communist, she asked. I work on commission, and I'm not an alien at all. I'm artificial intelligence. This, I said, holding up a hand as a display, is an encounter suit custom-built for passing as one of your species. I'm actually here as an observer to evaluate humanity for the League of Sentient Entities regulating space. Losers? Emily relapsed in uncontrollable laughter. You didn't have to tell her why you're here, Ebeth pointed out. It's supposed to be a secret. I know that, but she's not going to remember, I responded, though the truth was, I don't know why I'd said it. Emily, if you can regain your composure, I'd like to make you an offer. I'm listening, she managed to say. Whenever a new world is welcomed into the galactic community, it opens up a number of opportunities in the journalism field that cut both ways. You mean that we want to learn about everybody else, and everybody else wants to learn about us? You got that half right, I told her. Your people will want to learn about the galaxy, which creates an opportunity for the existing news services to sell you prepackaged data drops via the portal system. You can't expect the other species to be interested in what passes as news on your world, and they won't be standing in line to grant you press credentials either. That's pretty harsh, Emily said. What's the portal system? It's a method of traveling directly between worlds that doesn't involve spaceships. So why is there a spaceship approaching Earth, she asked. The portals are strictly for moving sentient creatures and reasonably small objects between populated worlds. There's a galactic treaty banning the use of portals for cargo shipments and colonizations, since that would have put most of the space-related industry out of business. But you didn't allow me to finish my proposal. I can get you press credentials. I'll be the only human reporting about the rest of the galaxy, she interrupted eagerly. That too, at least for a while, if that's what you want. But I'm offering you a job as a correspondent for the library journal. Wait a minute. You're saying you want to hire me to report about books? Library is the AI homeworld, I explained patiently. We run a news service that relies on alien reporters. Some worlds do not accept the presence of artificial intelligence on the ground, and many species, including some League members, view us with suspicion. You're the alien in this example, Ebeth told the reporter. So you want to hire me as a spy? Emily asked. No, we do our own spying. Journalism isn't simple information gathering, and the perspective of the reporter is an important part of the story. Employing correspondence from a broad array of species helps us understand how the other inhabitants of the galaxy view what's going on. Why not just read their news, she asked. I once worked for our library journal, and we gave our alien reporters a great deal of latitude in choosing what stories to report. Some species do an admirable job of maintaining a neutral viewpoint, but they are all constrained by the economics of providing news that their audience will pay to read. I can see that, she admitted grudgingly. We run into the same problem here. 
Well, what makes you think they'll hire me on your say-so? I have an open requisition, I told her. You're going to forget this conversation shortly, depending on how much serum Ebeth added to your water. But if you're interested, tell me now and I'll offer you the job again when we're in front of the portal. You won't be able to tell anybody where you're going, obviously, which is why I usually recruit people without close family ties. I can allow you to call your father before departure to tell him you'll be gone for a few months, by which time we'll have made the portal system public knowledge. That's all right, she said. My folks moved to Florida and they aren't big phone people. I can tell them that I'm going to Australia to follow up on a story and to go on walkabout. They know it's always been a dream with me. And don't forget the tape recorder, Ebeth reminded me. I hadn't, but I was impressed that she hadn't either. This concludes Chapter 10 of Touring Test by E.M. Foner.